Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. It's good. It's good to see everybody here. A couple couple things by way of announcements I want to say. the first is is that it, it's it's good we're we're getting filled up in here and it's a unique time, uh, so I'm honored to have you all here. There's a lot of you um, because of the pandemic we do not know. Um, a lot of you came during the pandemic, so um, I want to encourage you. We have backstage pass after this and open house that he mentioned. Those are incredible moments to just be able to get plugged in and. It really just gives us a chance to know you and uh, because we're really in a unique moment. So we'd love to have you get involved with us in that way. I want to encourage the couples in the building that we do have a, a marriage conference coming up. Uh, the marriage conference, we, we, our hope is, is that you would register but also bring a friend, hopefully a friend that's outside of our church. One of the unique things that we have going on right now is that there are a lot of people that were together during the pandemic and their relationship might be struggling or they just might not be in a place where they've gotten any wisdom or insight about their relationship. So two things I need, go to powerofus.nyc if you um, are an engaged or married couple. Those are the two spaces that we've opened up for that, engaged or married couples. And so if you would register at powerofus.nyc and if you have a friend uh, that's a, you know, have friends that are couples, uh, have them register as well. All right. Amen. And uh, try to register this week because it's filling up and I would hate for you to miss it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to worship you, to be able to know you, to be able to just Have this moment, God, where the Spirit of God is teaching us, leading us, and making us more like you. We ask you, Father, that you would use this moment for your glory as this is your word and these are your ways. So we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Wow, we're talking about love again, huh? Relationships, romance, and sex. Um, (laughs) Next week, next week, our, uh, well... We used to say fornication back in the day, right? Fornication. Uh, Next week, our sermon is on sex, all right? So that means it is PG-13. Of course, we won't be going into too much detail, but um, we just want to make you aware that if you have kids that are here, they're young, uh, you may want to parentally guide them uh, while they're here. But but, uh, next week, we will be talking about uh, sex and... um, we, we feel like as a church, it's amazing how many people just have not had this conversation in their life. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I don't know if you had this, but when I was growing up, uh, we used to have this thing on at night. It was called the quiet storm. Anybody have the quiet storm? And the quiet storm, you know, in, uh, in New York, had a guy, WBLS, the quiet storm. 
you know, and you would have Anita Baker on there and Sade and Luther, Luther Vandross and all these deep, you know, just deep songs that at 10 and 12 I couldn't relate to, but the song sounded amazing. Then I started to get older, and as I got older, like, uh, as the 90s started to come into play, uh, song, like, love songs changed. And so now, like, hip-hop and R&B and love songs kind of just all partnered together. And they were like, why don't we just tell more with the beat in the background? So you had, like, Rex and Effect and Belle Biv DeVoe and, you know, Jodeci. And they're all just like, we're going to say everything in a hip-hop song, but just we're going to say, uh-uh, and that's going to make it better, you know? So it was just amazing that you had all these songs. So while I'm hearing The Quiet Storm when I'm young and then I'm hearing this R&B as I get older, I'm not really getting an adult to tell me anything about love and romance or anything. And, and that's kind of what we talked about last week where there's this gap of information where we're getting the culture and the world constantly giving us insight about relationships, love, sex, and dating. And meanwhile, people that we trust really just act like, you know, it's just a thing you kind of got to figure out on your own. And if we're, tr- if we're honest, if we're going to create a biblical framework for this, there's probably a lot more detox than we need than discipleship, right? Because the truth is that there's a lot of things that you just don't realize that you've injected inside of you from the culture. And the truth is, is that one of the things that the culture helps us to do is think of this subject casually. Casual sex, casual relationships, casual love. Well, I just fell in love, fell out of love, casually. And although the culture treats love, romance, dating, and sex casually, you know good and well when you got broken up with, it didn't feel casual. The home you came from that was a divorce, it didn't feel casual. When you broke up with that person, cheated on that person, and the way they responded to you in that text thread, that wasn't casual. No. You know that a lot of the elements in relationships really need insight and kind of a warning. I dressed up today because I wonder if you want to get married. This is what I wear when I do weddings. And it's in light of that, I want you to understand that there's humor and there's fun, but there's an element there where we have to kind of be aware. We have to be warned of the, the serious nature of this. You know, I'm amazed that, you know when you get your driver's license, they actually have you do a written and a driver's test. They want to know, do you know all the signs They want to know, do you understand the nature of the road? Then they say, since you have all those insights that you can write down, let's see you get in the car. Can you parallel park? (laughs) You did that. If you have a driver's license, you did it that day. Do you put the signal on? Do you have your hands the proper place? Did you actually look in the rearview mirror when you backed up? All these things are there. They want to be sure 
that you know what you're doing because it's dangerous to have a person with a driver's license on the road. And I just wish we would put that much emphasis on a marriage license. Do you know what you're about to get into? Do you know that people could end up hurt? Do you know the family could be ended up broken? And you could end up not being in love, but partnering in a relationship with children. Now it's confusing. And so my heartbeat today is to kind of give you a framework in, in dating is not to scare you, but just to help you to see the deep nature of relationship. They're always moving somewhere. You see, the, the reality is, is that we have marriage and divorce stats, but we don't have dating stats. We don't have heartbreak stats. And the truth of the matter is, I, I want you to care for people in a way where you care for their heart, but I also want you to guard your own heart so that you can be cautious of what you're getting into. Amen? In this text we're going to look at today in the Song of Solomon, we see a story of two lovers. And you see this woman, she is deeply in love. Solomon writes this, and as they write, this imagery, um, this, there's this moment where she's talking and she's in love. And yet, they're not together yet. In the next chapter, you will see them have their wedding and then they will uh, be flirting with one another. But in this chapter, they're, they're right before they would be in love and in relationship and married. And so there's an element here where we see her say something that gives us a sense of a warning, tells us how powerful love can be. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. We'll see later that she is just imagining this. They're not actually together yet. And when she's talking, she's imagining being with him in a room and this imagery of raisins and af apples, or it's the imagery that you would have in, uh, with raisin cakes. Essentially, they would use apples and spices and raisins in order to be an aphrodisiac. Now, if you don't know what an aphrodisiac, next week we're going to get into more detail with that, amen? But essentially, that's an aid to a sexual life. That's a, to make sex better. And so what she is thinking about is how to, 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 she is in love with him, and she's imagining not just just having sex with him, but having passionate sex with him, and she wants to be with him. But she says something that is very powerful. In other words, understand she's just imagining this. She's thinking of this. She's thinking of how she could be with him, how to have an entertaining and passionate romantic sex life with him. And so she says this, I am sick with love. She acknowledges I'm lovesick. You see, the reality is love and romance have a very powerful effect on people. It is in this moment where oftentimes when you first meet someone and you think it's going somewhere that you can't concentrate like you used to. Your thoughts 
move fast and you're focused on the person you love. There's a feeling of euphoria and excitement. And there is this sense that you want desperately to be with them and your mind and your heart and your imagination and your fantasy all are blended together. You're driven to be with them. You have a distracting hunger for attachment. In other words, when you start to fall in love, that person starts to take up space, to take up space in your heart and your mind. Love is an extremely powerful emotion. And you remember, if you've been in love, you know that when you first started, it was hard to get off the phone. You hang up. You stupid, you hang up. Oh my God. Okay, when are we both gonna hang up then? It's just this weird feeling. You just wanna be with them. And the emotion that she is having here, she's not complaining about, she's just acknowledging this is heavy. It's like I'm sick. And so she says in verse seven, I adjure you. That, that word adjure is like her pleading, I plead with you. And then, and then so in this moment, she's no longer just talking to her husband-to-be. She's talking to daughters of Jerusalem, meaning other women who are at this point not married. And she says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. The imagery she gives there is gazelles and does. The gazelle pictures the man and the doe pictures the woman. And the imagery there is that if you startle a gazelle or startle a doe, they get this huge reaction. There's this moment where she's saying, by the gazelles and the does, in the, in the same way we see them move, we see so much quickness and excitement from gazelles and does. In the same way, don't stir up love until it pleases or awaken love. His point there is when you start to fall in love, there's this reaction that you have. And the minute you stir it up, it starts to take over. And that imagery there is like a giant is asleep somewhere in the compartment of your heart. And when that giant is awakened, it starts to take over other parts of your heart. It starts to move around. It's big. It's strong. Don't awaken love until it pleases. And the idea there of love being pleasing is the idea that love should take a natural course. That love cannot be manufactured. That you cannot make a relationship go to the next level until the other person is ready. And it is one of the most concerning things when you've got one person stirred up and another person just considering. 
I could have a very long conversation with you about the concept in the Bible, uh, unequally yoked. And oftentimes we use that scripture to understand people who are spiritually misaligned. They're at different places spiritually. And we can have that conversation. But what I see very often as well is people that are unequally committed. That one person is committed and the other person is still considering. One person takes, goes out to eat and they say, maybe this means, maybe this means, maybe this means. The other person is casually moving through the relationship while the other person is investing heart, mind, and soul, hoping that one day the commitment will get stronger. One person's trying to build a foundation, the other person's just having fun. This element of unequal commitment is the imagery she's saying, guys, when this gets stirred up inside of you, when it's awake and it, it can take over your mind and your heart, you, don't, you say things you'd never say, you do things you'd never do, your logic goes out the window. Have you ever heard a person say, don't make a decision when you're tired? It's because emotions mess with your logic. It's not just fatigue. You shouldn't make a decision when you're angry. In the same way, love has that same effect. It's hard to make logical, reasonable decisions when the emotion of romance and passion come into play. You don't think straight. You see things that other people are like, that ain't it. You'd be like, that's it. You don't see things right. It's powerful. And that's what she's saying. Guys, I, I almost want to warn you, don't wake this thing up until it pleases. And the imagery there is... You've got to be cautious. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Another way that's rendered is guard your heart. Vigilance, or it could even be diligence. It can be consistency. It has this idea that you've got to keep your eye on the ball about what's happening in your heart because everything you do comes from this place of the heart center, the, uh, the control center of your world. We have to understand that dating as a concept by its very nature is experimental. That you want to move in a slow level of commitment initially so that the hope can be that you can get out of the relationship if you find that the person does not align with your values or you simply don't click. Putting lots of emotional investment into a relationship can be dangerous when it is not being met with the same level of investment. Dating works best between two people moving at the same pace. And you can have someone that meets everything on your resume and you just don't like them. And I've seen people be like, I should like them. I'm like, where did you get this concept from? If you don't like them, you don't. Well, I just thought they'd be more talkative, but they're quiet. So now what? <laughs> you know what happens when you get into a car and you put your seatbelt on? How do you know when it's on? You hear that click. Now, what's the point of that? You put the click on just to hear it. You put the click on for safety because you know it fits. 
You see, when I see people, they've been dating for a month and it's hard. They're coming to me for counseling. I don't know what to do, pastor. I mean, what do we talk about? I'm like, it's not going to work. <laughs> if it's this hard after a month, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. It's too much work. It should be easy. And if I could give you one set of understanding, when one person is trying to make it happen, you're essentially wanting them to be something else or you're wanting to be something else. Let it happen. It's just, it should flow from a natural sense of affection you have for one another. That's why you got to be very careful about creating a resume flowing from your heart about what they'll be like and what they can what they should be. Your heart doesn't care about what should be. Your heart cares about what is. There's somebody that just connects with you. And that really doesn't matter what you've put on paper. And so it's scary when I see people trying to make somebody into somebody else. Or where they're wanting, they're, they're, they're almost willing themselves into affection. If you don't just... If you, if, like, if you don't struggle with lust a little bit with them, like, like if you don't, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know this sounds horrible. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging. If, if lust is not something that comes in the purview, like if you don't struggle, if like you, girl, I need accountability. Like if you don't, if that's not, then maybe. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there. So the, so the Bible is like, guard your heart. Guard, guard your heart. I'm just saying. But the Bible says guard your heart. And you know, um, when, when you think about that like a, like a security guard, you know, you know or, or like a, a guard at a club, you know, and you just, you let people in. You, you, they, check, they check people, see what they got on them. Why? Because they want to make sure the person doesn't hurt other people, right? They don't let them in. They're checking everybody. And the reality is, is that when you meet somebody, you can't just be closed the whole time. You have to, if you're going to get to know somebody, you have to let them in. You have to start talking about things. There's no question about that. So we don't mean, I don't think the Bible means guard your heart in the sense that you don't disclose who you are. But in this club imagery, when you guard your heart, you're letting people in. But I, now, saints, I used to go to the club back in the day. Oh, way, way back. Amen. And they had the club. The club area, you know, and there's things happening in the club. <laughs> Stuff's happening in the club. There's people over there, people over there, people by the bar, people upstairs. But there was this special place called the VIP. And there's a security guard there in the front. They let a lot of people in there. But that place, the VIP section, was very protected. And all I'm saying is, if you get to know somebody, you have got to be very caught. Because guess who should be in the VIP? Jesus. He should already be there. And so, like, if Michael Jordan was in your VIP section... And then, like, you know, Pookie from down the streets, like, yo, can I come to VIP? It's like, we already got Jordan here. We're good. 
we're good. We're good. We already got like, we're, they're buying drinks, everything. It's amazing in here already, right? All I'm saying is, is that contentment really is about having a satisfied heart in Jesus. It is very hard to build boundaries when you don't have a contented heart. Because you keep letting people in out of insecurity. And so that's why your, your biggest advantage in dating isn't just trying to find an app and find a person. I get all that, and I think that's a very challenging thing. But your greatest advantage in dating is worship. Because a heart that's not satisfied with Jesus will compromise. And will say things you'd never say, do things you'd never do, go places you'd never go. Because you're hungry for time. Because the person that should be occupying the VIP, you're ignoring. You could just say amen. You could just say amen. And so what she goes on to say in verses 10 through 12 is my beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away for behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Now, this is the gentleman speaking and, or speaking to her, and he, she's saying, this is what I'm hearing. Arise, my love, beautiful one. Come away with me. The winter is past. Flowers appear. What he's talking about is there's a new season. In the Hebrew, the ancient writing of this, it would be considered cuffing season. Amen. <laughs> What, he, what he's saying here is that, look, 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 everything's changing. It's the time to be together. And he says something very interesting. Winter is past. Springtime is here. Every sensation is crying out that this is a new season in your life. What they're acknowledging is that there's this springtime when everything is blooming and everything is right. But then there is a winter when things aren't what you want. Things are, people are indoors. There's nothing blossoming. And it is in the winter season of your life when you prepare for the springtime. In the same way, you prepare your heart for the next season of your life when you, God would have you be in love with someone. I cannot guarantee who would be in here and who's in love and who will be in a relationship. But what I can say is that you can walk into a relationship unprepared because you wasted the winter season of your life. The Bible says, um, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And the imagery that Paul presents here is that training your body does have some value. But he says, training yourself in godliness has value in every way. And while you're in the winter season of your life, when in the sense in which you don't have that relationship you wish you had, this is the time 
when you are becoming a more godly person, deeper in Christ, knowing him in a way that is intimate and special. Training for godliness. Think about that. Because what he is countering it with is training for your body. And some of you are very meticulous with your body. You count carbs, amen. (laughs) You run. You do all the right things because you have this meticulous sense of not only looking at what's going inside of you, but you look in the mirror. And you see where you're growing, where you want to grow. And oftentimes when it comes to people's spiritual life, they do not have the same intensity that they do about their physical life. And so he's saying, train yourself. Godliness is a person who has this spirit about them where we see the work of God in their life And it comes across in how they deal with people. You want to be married, huh? You want to be in love forever and ever and ever? That's good. How are you at forgiveness? I'm okay. Okay. How are you at kindness? (sighs) How about patience? How about just hope? Like, what are you like in situations? Like, what do you, how do you come across? Because one of the things that I find most challenging is when people want to be a good spouse, but they're not a good friend. They're not, they're not good, they're not a good brother and sister. But they think when that ring happens, the Shekinah glory of God... (laughs) is going to come down. And all the foolishness they just did weeks ago with their friends, the way they gossiped and slandered all those people, the way they were unkind and unbothered, because one of the dangerous things I find is that people who really don't do well in relationships really have this sense that the rules are different for them. Well, you know, it's okay, but my my mama said, I'm not talking about what your mama said. This is is the thing you've got to understand. Your friends will put up with things your spouse never will. Because this is what happens. This is what happens. This is literally what happens. You will do stuff, stay stuff, and your friends will be like, that's crazy. That's, wow. That's so crazy. How'd that be happening to you all the time? Yo, for real, like, it's crazy. Like, things just be happening to you? (laughs) So, I then I'll call. Girl, she's doing it again. Yes, she is crazy. She thinks you're going to find me. That's what they do. That's what a lot of some of y'all friends do. I'm, I'm telling you, and the, and, and the friends just, they like you, and they know that they have a put, like, they can't really be that honest with you because you're going to wild out, so they don't, they don't go and they don't give you that real. Your mama tried to tell you, some of your friends try to tell you, but your husband or wife, trust. 
they're going to let you know or they're going to go. And one of the things that you could do now is investigate you. Don't put so much energy into finding the right person that you don't become the right person. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Are you growing? I don't know if I should be in a growth group. You need to be in a growth group, amen? Because you need relationships. Relationships are the barometer of godliness. Did you know that? I'm patient. Well, do people say you're patient? I'm kind. I, yeah. Did the people say you're kind? I can make a. I can make a curated resume of people I want. You know how you lie with your reference? Like you just like, you know, you tell this really Keisha. It's not really like the actual person. Like if you, th that doesn't work when it comes to godliness. Like people see you. You can't just curate godliness. It's about how you come across to everybody. And so the truth of the matter is, if you want to have a powerful, impactful marriage, your battle axe against the flesh is godliness. And you can learn that now. You can be godly now. I can't guarantee you if you'll be married tomorrow, but you can be godly today. You can be godly today. And part of being godly is having some kind of awareness about who you're becoming. But if you're a loving and kind person. And the word of God should be your guide in that. And so there's this cautionary tale we have in here. Songs 2.14 the man says, oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And the imagery of her in the clefts of the rock is that the idea is that she still lives in her home and that she's behind this wall. She's connected still with her family. And so it's this imagery of the dove being its natural habitat, not not comfortable coming out yet. And so he's saying, oh, this dove in the cleft of the rock, come. And he is trying to make her feel more comfortable, trying to make her feel more sustainable and secure. Oftentimes that is what a woman is looking for. Can she trust you? Will you be secure? Are you a man of your word? Will you hurt me? Will you accept me? Will things be like what I saw when I was growing up? Because most of us, most of us, if we're honest, we had parents we love, but they didn't have a marriage we want. We saw aunts and uncles at the barbecue your auntie came over, there's Fred mm -hmm, over there with his friends. I can't stand that man. Been together 30 years, 30 years, you know. Fred's over there. Yeah. I can't stand it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're together for the kids. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? The kids, you know, and there's just kind of this sense like no one's really happy. And a woman's like, I want to feel like the, a man's going to be committed to me. What if my body isn't what I want it to be in 20 years? 
What if I grow tired? Will you still care for me? Like a dove in the cleft of the rock, he draws her out. And this woman says to this man something very important, speaking to her own insecurities. Songs 2, 15, and 16. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. If you look back in chapter one, she talks about the vineyard being her body. And when it talks about catching the foxes, they are able, the foxes eat these flowers when they come into bloom. And so she says, catch the foxes before they get into the garden, into the vineyard. The fox biblically is understood as this animal that moves quietly, this animal that moves silently, often unseen, and you've got to catch him. And what she is speaking of, his, his own passions, his own sense of sexuality, his own desire to be with her. And what she is saying to him is discipline yourself. Catch those foxes before they get to the vineyard. Because what she's acknowledging is that I am sick in love. I'm drunk in love. She said earlier, you're like wine. I love you so much. I'm, I'm so desirous of you. That if you don't catch the foxes, I don't know if I'll catch them for you. If you don't discipline your sex self sexually, I don't know if I'll have the enough strength to withhold you. And I don't mean you're going to force yourself on me. I mean, I want you. And I, I'd rather avoid temptation than fight temptation. So catch the foxes before they get to the vineyard, please. But it has a double tone because it not only means catch those foxes before you get to my vineyard, but catch the foxes before you get to another one's vineyard. Will you be singularly committed to me? Will I have to wonder about who you are? Will I have to constantly think about what's on your phone? And so she says, catch the foxes. Discipline yourself. It would be wonderful if men set a sexual boundary in the relationship. It would just be wonderful. That would just be world changing. If a man was like, listen, man, I, I'm really into you, but I... I'm really, I don't want to have sex before marriage because I just don't want to ruin what God has for us. The girl would be like, what? <laughs> but normally the woman has to set the standard. And she's got to have like a double black belt in judo to be like, I tell, keep off me, brother. Just... <laughs> I mean, that would, be, that would be amazing. That would be godly. Catch the foxes before they even get to the vineyard. 
Because God forbid y'all play house, but don't end up getting married. Oh, God forbid that. A lot of people have been in that situation. And you can feel like it's an imaginary marriage. That's fine. But it'll feel like a 100% divorce. It'll be painful. The faster you go. You see that imagery that we use of cars. When you're driving five miles an hour, not a lot of accidents happen then. But the faster you go, the more damage can be done. And it's speed that destroys the relationship. It's speed. That's why y'all can't look at each other anymore. It's speed. That's why it's awkward when their name is brought up. It was speed. Now, not that it's easier, but it at least allows you to still be around one another without them taking your breath away because y'all move so fast. Because really, you imagine what they were instead of really investigating who they were and taking your time. And so the only way that we can keep ourselves from falling into a place where there's hurt and pain in the dating process is that we have some kind of boundary, this contentment that we have that when we know that Jesus is our Lord and he is who we worship, it allows us to have enough strength to create boundaries. And you've got to ask yourself the question, Do I believe that boundaries preserve joy or prevent joy? Do I believe these boundaries are in place so that if we weren't to work out, that we could have a sense of peace, that I I strengthened her, that he strengthened me? A boundary is a property line It distinguishes what's mine and what's yours. My emotional property, my my values, my sense of self, my sense of being. And this allows you to be able to keep yourself, keep your dignity, so that if you were to walk away, you could walk away in strength. Or you could cross the line of commitment and be married forever. Why are boundaries important? Because it creates structure. And where there's structure, there's beauty. You think of a a fire, a fire out of control, scary. But when I was growing up, we had a fireplace. The fireplace is where you want fire. My dad would literally say, go and get some logs for the fire. Go put some paper in the fire. You're celebrating fire because fire is in a structured environment. But if that fire were to get out of that fireplace and go into the home, go out to the street, it could destroy the whole neighborhood. That's why love, the passion of love needs to be in a structured environment where you could celebrate it. You know what's crazy? I had pastors who were encouraging me in my marriage process to Natasha. And they were holding me accountable 
They were like, hey, bro, don't, don't go too fast. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Hey, he slowed, slow down, slow down. I was like, okay, 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 okay. Then we got married, and the night before marriage, these same people were giving me sex advice, and I was like, they're like, yeah, brother, what you want to do? I'm like, sure, stop, stop. And it felt like they were preventing. But what it is is that when they see me get mad, they're like, they're all celebrating. And then like when we go on our honeymoon, it was like, ah, yeah, yeah, this is going to be fun, isn't it? And it's just like, y'all are weird. Get away from me. But what, what I'm saying is, is that people don't want you to not have something. They just want you to have it in the right environment. Don't you understand fire in the fireplace is celebrated fire. Fire in the community is destruction. The reason why we want to talk about boundaries is because we don't want to see you destroy your life or destroy the life of somebody else and cause pain and problems for someone else. I'll lastly say that I think there are three boundaries. We've said these for years in three areas. Talk, touch, and time. When it comes to talking, you want to build a friendship with somebody. When you move too fast, you share every part of your world with somebody. The weak parts and your brain, literally, the way that you're set up, when you begin to share secrets, it creates attachments with people. And that's okay, you want that, but just... Just remember that imagery of the clubs. Where are, they, where are they at? Are they going into this place of a very important person in your life? Very important people know all about you. And you need to have the discipline, the godly discipline, to withhold information at times. Allow the relationship to build. And the other area is touch. And at the end of the day, you have to just have wisdom about where you're at. We're going to talk more about this, but, you know, I, I had had sex before. I was with my wife, and um, we were dating, and I just, I just didn't want to fall. I didn't want, I didn't want to feel regret. And I had broken women's hearts. I had cheated on women. I was a lot. I mean, I... You know, one of the things that's a gift and a curse for me is that I'm honest. People are like, man, you're so honest. I was like, no, no, no. I'm repenting of lying. I'm still like in active repentance for the liar I was. I mean, I look in the face like, nope, and I'm dead lying. And that's what I would do with women. And that's, that's why I just want to warn you, ladies. Men can sometimes, it's not that they just want to lie. They want to be competitive because they want to win. And women can do the same thing. And so you're cautious about touch. And lastly, time. A relationship that moves too quickly into exclusivity will create bonds that will be very hard to detach from. And so one of the things that helps you is try to move in community. Try to move in a way where you can just get to know them in spaces. And certainly, certainly, you want to go out to eat with them. Certainly, you want to chill with them by yourself. But there comes a point in the night where it's just like, all right then. Okay. What you doing tomorrow? 
You got work to do. At some point, you've got to lovingly let them know we've reached a point where there's a certain hour I have in my mind where I, I reserve that for certain relationships. Because you've got you've to make that decision. Oh, we just talking. Well, y'all talk all the time. We just talking. You don't talk to nobody else. We just talking. You don't even talk to your friends no more. You're not just talking. At this point, y'all are fake married. But it might feel like a real divorce. So I want to encourage you. Deepen your walk with God so that you can have the confidence to be able to set a boundary on what's yours. On your heart. On your story. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We can do nothing without you. Oh God, we thank you that you satisfy our hearts. We thank you that you please us with good things. We thank you, Jesus, that the word of God, it it comes in and roots us in the truth. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that even now we are refreshed by who you are. We cannot guarantee relationships, but you have offered us yourself. And you are our prize. You are our treasure. And so tonight, we honor you with our lives. We desperately look to you. And we ask you, Jesus, let us grow closer to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.